Okay, we're back with a festive Ben Kozlowski tonight. How's it going? Hello. <laughs> it's going all right. <laughs> you say that there's people having a party. I it doesn't I haven't heard anything yet. So if there's fireworks and stuff, we'll we'll know what's going on. Yeah, I guess it's not quite loud enough. But you know, they were playing music a little while ago and fireworks before that. So I'm not sure. And if we hear screaming children, it's it's all in good fun. I promise. Okay. It's all fine. Um, Everything is fine. We're going to <laughs> Zozo tonight, following a bird that uh, is is. Um, carrying a, an important letter, um, so this is the this is like the conclusion of the um, homing pigeon story. That was like it was like a side quest in the in the earlier part of the game. Mm -hmm. um, you could sort of optionally, you know, help the the wounded soldier send letters to his girlfriend. Um, and at this point, so the the bird led us to the girl, and she is sending a letter now back. But but we know having explored some of the world after it was destroyed, that the boyfriend's town is gone, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's been wrecked. Um, so it can't possibly be him sending her letters, right? Um, putting this together with the fact that someone else in the town there is like, there was a guy walking around saying stuff like thou, um, mm -hmm. right? There's, so there's, there's a likelihood. And then apparently we read the handwriting and it looks like science, right? So it's yep. science. So this is your, he's your dude, right? He's your favorite character, uh, at least in this go around in the game, it sounded like. So, so how do you make sense of this? Science sending letters to a girl that thinks they're from her dead boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, there is something like, I do not want to downplay the creepiness here. Like for sure, you know, pretending to be someone you're not is itself a kind of creepy business. Um, obviously, like in the 1990s, we hadn't really explored the, the idea of catfishing much at this point. The internet was in its infancy and the malefactors had not discovered that particular form of bad behavior. Um, but at the same time, there's something kind of romantic and honorable about what Cyan is doing, like holding holding this legacy, um, carrying it out, uh, and sort of like trying to to stoke this girl's hope, who otherwise you would think that it would be quashed by the the just utter annihilation of you know not just her boyfriend but the city where he used to live. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he he was in Mobley's, right? Yeah. Uh, which is now, you know, totally wrecked. And that's where all of the, like, Terra and her, her quasi-orphanage is when it's not being attacked by a demon or swept into the sea. Um, <laughs> so, and I, I think, he, like, even during the breaking of the world, we see a cutscene where just some of the houses and some of the people just drop into this great chasm never to be oh. seen again. Um, like, of all of the cities, Mobley's is probably the one hit hardest. Um, and I think, you know, for all, for all of the creepiness of the situation, it's presented to us at, on the one hand as being kind of sweet and on the other hand as being kind of silly. Um, like when we finally meet Cyan, when you, when you go through Zozo and somebody finally gives you the, the tip to go through the pub up to Mount Zozo and you climb all the way up and fight all the monsters as usual, yeah. um, you, you meet Cyan standing dramatically at the edge of a cliff, just as we've seen Setzer oh, yeah, and as we've seen... Somewhere before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots of, lots of sort of channeled imagery on that one. 
Um, but instead, like you confront him and he's got his like heroic pose and he realizes that you had to walk through his house to get there. And he rushes back in and is like hiding all of the, the cloth flowers that he's been making. Like he, he stashes them up on the, the top shelf and he's like jumping up to try and get them and to sort of hide them. Um, and you know, there's something it's obviously presented as silly. Like they even play the silly music as he's running around trying to, to hide the, the flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got like the big bug eyes and he's like, Oh no, you, you figured me out. Um, but it's presented as, as you know, cyan are honorable, incredibly capable swordsman, you know, like the single handed uh, defender of, of his own castle um also has this soft side right um that he enjoys beautiful things like you confront him about the flower and he's like oh this is it's just a hobby like and sellers insist she says no they're they're beautiful um this this is a masterwork in its own right um and i'm just like every time i see the scene as silly as it's presented i i get a little emotional about it like the idea that cyan, you know, as formal, as genteel, as sort of disciplined as he is, has found his own way of making the world just a little bit better. Like, not by fighting, not by defending people the way that you would think, but sort of by just trying to keep this romance, this failed romance, this dead romance alive. Um, He's doing his little bit. Um, it means something to him. It gives him purpose the same way that taking care of the kids gives Tara purpose or the way that, you know, Setzer has abandoned his purpose when we first meet him. Um, Cyan, Cyan is complicated in that way. Like you can see that soft side of him um, as much as he was, as much as he was the character who was so vulnerable because he had lost so much when we first met him, you kind of get the sense that that's what he's trying to undo now. He doesn't want this girl to suffer the same thing that he did. You know, his entire world was destroyed. He's trying to keep hers from doing the same, even if it means lying, even if it means posing as this guy. Um, He even says, I think that he, um, he wrote to her, um, and realize that he was very much like her. Yeah, there is this interesting way that he's he's impersonating the the lost boyfriend, but actually it's because uh, he can so sympathize. Yeah, exactly with with her because he also lost his wife and his his child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that yeah he's he's going through something uh, deeply serious, um, but doing it in this way that is so strange and <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, and playful, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's this um, there's this key also. So we've got to we've got to dwell on this um, this cliff top thing for a minute here because yes, uh, he's standing at the very edge of the cliff. Yeah, is he thinking about jumping? Is he just sort of contemplating and looking majestic? He says this little poem, and yeah. um, the the screen really pans out to look off into the distance. Very much like that, you know, that famous like romantic painting of the guy on the cliff, yep. um, you know, staring off. Monk by the sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so his poem goes, the world before the fall 
delightful is the light of dawn, noble is the heart of man. All of those, of course, have ellipses at the end, so each line um, sort of trails off into the next. Um, yeah, and that's like, again, this, this wild mood-shifting thing that this game does over and over, um, you know, really building up the, uh, the romanticism, the seriousness, the nobility, mm -hmm. and then just, uh, yeah, giving it, it all down. <laughs> big cartoony bug eyes, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and silly, silly music. So, yeah, like, um, how does science, you know, staring off into the, the wild blue yonder, how does it stack up with uh, Setzer's and Celis's um, and others maybe that I'm forgetting here? Like, I, I guess the opera scene, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does, I, how does this take that idea and go with it further? I think for, for Cyan, unlike the other characters that we've met so far, you know, we have Celis who ultimately decides to cast herself off the cliff. Life is not worth living anymore and Setzer who stands on the cliff waiting for someone who will never come mm -hmm. and sort of like loses all hope. Um, Cyan, this is an expression of hope. Like that poem ignores the destruction of the world. It is like a wholesale rejection of it. Um, you know, he still thinks man's heart is noble. Um, admittedly, it's with before the fall as its preface, but I think it's also striking that this is the first time we've seen the cliff scene during broad daylight. Hmm. Um, like when we see Sellas, she stands on the cliff and casts herself off at sunset. Yes. Um, when we see Setzer waiting for someone who never comes, it's at sunset. But here it's broad daylight. Um, and also importantly, walking up Mount Zozo um, and heck, being in the town of Zozo itself, it hasn't changed. Right. Um, right. It is the one place in the entire world. Like we're walking through all of these blasted <laughs> towns where, you know, everybody is reminiscing about the good old days. And like half the buildings are trashed and destroyed. We come to Zozo and it is still the same crap hole that we found <laughs> with all of the bandits, like the same exact sets of monsters, which are almost pathetically easy at this point, the same liars all over the town. Mm. Like nothing has changed. Even the ghost who does the materia or the magicite tutorial is still hanging around. Um, and you know, you can attribute this to, oh, they, they didn't want to like reprogram it. They didn't have enough resources. The disc wasn't big enough. Like take your pick. But then you go up Zozo, like Mount Zozo, and it is green. Hmm. It's the first place we've been where, you know, it's not this blasted, wasted landscape. It's not, you know, melancholy with its music. It's the same mountain theme we've, we've heard a dozen times. Yeah. Um, Since Mount Colts. Yeah. Meeting Sabin. So he was also, yeah, off on his own sort of training. That, that sort of recalls that moment as well, actually. Now you're talking about it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it's, I'm reading Lord of the Rings again in, in preparation for my, my Tolkien-related blog post, hopefully next nice. week. Yeah, um, and I'm reminded of Lothlorien, like the whole sort of conceit surrounding Lothlorien and Fellowship of the Ring is that Galadriel is preserving it. It is the last vestige of the old world on Middle-earth, um, and she's preserving it using the supernatural powers of the elf ring. Um, but it's also fated to pass away. Like everybody knows it's, you, 
whatever happens at the end of this story, whether Sauron gets the ring and takes over Lothlorien or the ring is destroyed and the elf rings lose their power, either way, Lothlorien's days are numbered. Jeez, um, yeah. It's, I, yeah. yeah. It's just horribly sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's hopeful. Like, some of the characters even talk about it afterwards. They're like, Lothlorien, it's a truly perilous place. And they're like, dude, you've never been there. It's so wonderful. And yeah. the rejoinder is always, no, it's because it's wonderful that it is perilous. Yeah. You are lucky to have escaped, to have been able to steel yourself against its allure to leave. Um, it is so tempting to just stay there. Um, and I think that speaks directly to what's going on with Cyan here. Like he has found a place that's not changed, a place left intact by all the destructive power of Kafka. When the world was broken, this place remained. Um, and he has sort of set up shop there, like trying to hold the world together for yeah. this one other person. Um, he can't, obviously. It's a lie, like at best. And he even confesses that, you know, he wrote the letter, the one that says, sorry, your boyfriend's actually dead, right. um, but he's never found the courage to send it. Um, he's not willing to let go at this point. Um, it's so interesting. It's like, um, it's like the game um, then makes you sort of responsible for breaking this spell, um, but also like it's almost um, mocking this this uh, this quality of of seriousness and um of enchantment right uh it, it almost like the, the breaking of the spell takes the form of sending up and satirizing um and and really yeah you you want to hold those two aspects of it in your mind at the same time that this is weird and strange but also somehow moving um but in order to progress you just have to sort of like yeah, uh, say this is weird. Like, stop doing this. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. It's kind of like, creepy. Fight more battles and stuff. Yeah. Well, so that's that's interesting. Then um, that like the the this sort of resolution here involves um, bringing Cyan out of his um, out of his pose, right? Of of seriousness and um, romantic sort of longing that's never going to be realized. Uh, it also has, so it's got the element of him, like, you know, sympathizing with the girl in Miranda Lola. It's got the element also of him having talked to Gal. It sounds like that also sort of like has been on his mind and he hasn't really known what to do about that. Um, but the Gal has like also resolved to, um, to strengthen himself, to, to get stronger, to fight Kifka at some point. Um, so yeah, so that's interesting that, you know, there's like the, there's the lost, you know, wife and child, and then there's the kind of stand-in for his child, right? Who's always been Gao, right? That other time they were standing in this exact position was right before they jumped off the, uh, the waterfall, right? And, mm -hmm. and went to the Velt for the first time. So, so that is also sort of being recalled here, I think, too. Um, uh, so we're going to go there, but first, there's this tiny sparkly key that is is remaining there. If we go back and look again at the at the overview, the, the outlook one more time, uh, we pick up his key and we can then open his secret treasure box there. Um, 
So this is one of those little Easter eggs in the game. Uh, and in the, in the US translation, we get um, that it is uh, a machinery manual mm -hmm. and a book of secrets. Yes. Now, just throw out a wild guess. What What do you suppose the Book of Secrets is supposed to say in Japanese? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, although I worry that it might be explicitly sexual. <laughs> it is only slightly. It says okay. <laughs> so, according to our man Clyde Mandolin, the Legends of Localization uh, analyst, he says in Japanese this extra book is called something like a slightly naughty book or slightly erotic book. Okay. Yeah. This playfulness wouldn't fly with NOA back in the day, so it was renamed Book of Secrets. Now, on the GBA version, here's a great here's a great measure of how far we've come as a culture. They're allowed to handle this thing more openly, so the localizer for the GBA version gave it the creative name Bushido in the Bedroom. <laughs> that? That's amazing and oh, so very cyan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um so yeah, take that you know for for what it's worth. He's he's uh, a little bit awkward about this. He says, "No, that's mine." Um, mm -hmm. And so why why the machinery manual and the book of secrets? Why why are they locked up in a chest together there? Uh, the book of secrets, I suspect, is fairly self-explanatory. You you <laughs> typically don't want that just lying around where anyone can find it. Um, not that he's any less ashamed of all the flowers that are sitting around his room it's, it's where exactly anyone can find them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like him hiding his romantic side is uh, is very pronounced here. Um, it, it's kind of like it's it's easy to imagine him as being the sort of upstanding celibate samurai. You know, uh, I am like staying true to my wife and my family. I am, I am foregoing attachment to the world for the sake of my craft and my, my art. Um, and then, you know, him completely not doing that, <laughs> that just being this sort of image that he wants to show us. But in fact, he's got a, a, you know, he's a human being like he's fallible. He's not perfect. Um, as for the machinery manual, that one I suspect is a little hard to figure. Like I, if I'm going like the, the one connection I'm, I'm tempted to make is to Edgar. Cause he's, you know, our, our tinkerer. Mm -hmm. um, he's the one with all the fancy gadgets and he's the one with the castle that like tunnels underground. Um, if there's an obvious machinery connection, it's either, either Setzer or Edgar. Um, but I would also think that, makes it even more obvious why the two books are together because Setzer and Edgar are our two womanizers. Right. Um, they are, you know, confident in themselves, even if they aren't entirely on the up and up where Edgar is, you know, unabashedly unapologetically both King and, you know, smooth operator. Um, I suspect that Cyan admires that. Um, yeah wants to become that on some level um wants to have his his skill and his discipline and his art but also be a human being unapologetically um so you know putting the two books together that's that's the sort of natural connection i seem to think like edgar and Setzer are operating as sort of what Cyan would like to become or possibly at least the road not traveled. 
um, even if he's not committed to it, I suppose. That's, yeah, I think that's sort of the pairing, right, in my mind as well as like, you know, Cyan is very old school, um, doesn't know anything about machines and feels this as a bit of a lack now, whereas maybe mm -hmm. before he never did. Um, same goes with, yeah, his sort of relationships have been very traditional, very strict, and now he's sort of opening up a little bit maybe. So, yeah, there's like a real uh, character development, um, you know, fleshing him out a bit here. We get more of Cyan a bit later on. We can go back to Doma Castle and there's there's more to his story, I think, but um, I haven't got that far quite yet. So, so yep. proceeding orderly fashion here, we're gonna go and take his hint to look for Gao in the belt, which, you yeah. know, where else would we find Gao? And so again, yep. this, like Zozo, the belt is actually the same as it's been. Um, yep, the color palette's a little bit different. And I think, uh, like, obviously there are new enemies to encounter, but otherwise the mechanics are all the same and Gal is right where we left him, basically. Uh, no change there. Pops in, uh, as long as there's room in your party, he'll join you. Yep. And there you go, right? Um, mm -hmm. Easy peasy. I think it's, it's weird, like, that he has no real, he doesn't really say anything either. Like, he's just like, yeah. remember me? Here I am. Uh, let's go. Yep. It's the exact same line of dialogue that he has if, you know, you leap into the veldt and then pick him up a little bit later even in either world. Like, for Gao, nothing has changed. Yeah. Um, like, Cyan is desperately trying to pretend like nothing has changed. For Gao, literally nothing has changed. <laughs> um, stronger monsters to learn from. And pretty hey. much, yeah. Sweet. So, you know, Gao's fun, uh, but there's another character we can get here. Uh, if we if we rescued Shadow, like you had to wait till that last couple seconds as mm -hmm. the floating continent is going down. Then in the cave, um, there in the veldt, there is now uh, a little scene where you'll see the the dog interceptor. Mm -hmm. um, and if you follow, you know, the winding sort of mazes uh, through the cave here, you come upon um, a fallen shadow right the same the same kind of um issue i think so is it the case that if you didn't save him he would be here but not be able to join you yeah um i remember rather vividly like the first time i played through the game i did not wait for shadow and then i was so excited to see him um and interceptor still leads you around and you can still come to the same exact room where shadow is hanging out but Interceptor will go up to him and Shadow will pet Interceptor and they'll have that sort of back and forth, but Shadow will never join. Okay. Um, like he 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 won't. Which I find it I find it interesting that it's his call. Um like so many of the other characters, it's because they found something else. Shadow just doesn't have any loyalty to you right. um if you did not show loyalty to him. Um he is still mercenary in that way. He still looks out for number one. Um, only you're, he's right to in this case. Like when last we saw him on the floating continent, he, he's got that whole realization, that, that refusal to properly join your party because he fought for the wrong side. He, he feels guilty. Um, but now if you left him, you're the one that should feel guilty. Um, and honestly, I did like the first time that I went through and realized that I had missed my chance to get Shadow. Like, yeah, I should have waited. I he told me to, and I didn't. Um, that's on me, right? Um, 
so it's yeah it's an interesting like um bifurcation that the game takes here because even if you do save him he doesn't immediately rejoin either mm -hmm. um we get some of his backstory um but then he goes off and uh is you know trying to you know prove himself or whatever it is uh he heads to the coliseum and you have to defeat him in a Colosseum. I feel like he's a very well-hidden character. <laughs> yeah. Um, for all of the the obviousness that he has and sort of like you need to encounter him and have him in your party in the earlier half of the game. Yeah, then he gets to the second half of the game and he is very elusive. Um, yeah. Like so him and Gogo, those are the two the two really tricksy ones. Yeah, we haven't we haven't even heard a, a whiff of Go Go just yet. I don't think. Yep. Um, there's this hint. Okay, so I guess we sort of skipped the uh, the dragon, right? Yes. There's there's an indication that there's yeah lots of scary monsters out there. We fight a number of them, but there's these optional ones. Um, the dragons. The first I think the first one we run across is up there at the top of Mount Zozo, right? Yep, the storm um, dragon, and he is a bear, um, <laughs> <laughs> like. I fought him for a good solid two hours. No. Oh yeah. I was just beating my head against it. And Sarah's like, it's been two hours, please stop. Um, but I did in fact beat it at last, but he is, he is mean. Like, especially at the stage of the game where you find him, most of the, most of the other dragons are, are relatively easy. Um, either because you're better prepared for them or because you're a higher level. Um, but when you hit the storm dragon, he's one of the tougher dragons anyway because like there's not a lot you can do about wind yeah. um as an element like he's weak to thunder which is you know something you can manipulate something that you can do something with um but you don't have a lot of options as far as your party at that point like you can wait until you get cyan and now you have cyan to help but you know cyan doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of elemental damage and the big weapon that he's famous for is the tempest which is a wind weapon which isn't going to affect the dragon in the <laughs> anyway um so you know when you like uh sarah looked it up on the strategy guide and she's like it recommends that you not fight him the first time <laughs> around yeah. um just skip it uh but i of course beat my head against it and then you know got sneaky and managed to beat him um, and man, does he drop great stuff. Yeah. Uh, he gives you the force armor, which gives you a huge magic block uh, percentage. So, you know, Sellas is like literally blocking 99% of spells at this point, which is amazing. Um, it's, it's almost like, yeah, once you've beaten that dragon, um, you get the thing that would have made fighting him way, way easier. Exactly. Um, and... I just uh, I, I've been fighting my way through Narsh and encountered the the ice dragon. Mm -hmm. That's the same deal. You beat him and you get the force shield. Mm -hmm. um, so apparently there is a whole set of force stuff um, that the dragons are going to drop for you uh, each time you do. And with each new equipment you pick up, the subsequent dragons will be that much easier uh, because they all rely very heavily on spells. Um, which you know are it's hard to block like you can use runic with cellos but that stops you from using spells too um you can get sneaky like putting on the right 
uh, element shield, like you put on ice shield, and all of a sudden the ice dragon isn't nearly as scary a- anymore. Mm. Um, but even then, you know, th- it's not perfect. Like they have a lot of a lot of attacks that are magical and that hit everybody in your party. Like it's pretty easy to to get wiped. Um, and again, it took me two hours and many tries to get through Storm Dragon the first time through. I love that your stubbornness did not allow you to just come back later. When you yeah, had, uh, part of it was like I was worried that I, you know time constraints. I did not want to spend. I did not want to have to like walk all the way up Mount Zozo again because it is a hike. Yeah, um, to get all the way up there. Yeah. Um, there is a little trick here. So if you're into studying these kind of strategy guides, um, very shortly here. So yeah, go into Narsh next. If you, you can go pretty much anywhere at this point, right? But Narsh yeah. is the place to go next because the best character is there, Mog, right? Yep. And so we recover Mog um, from his, uh, you know, retirement. I get what. What is his story? Like, why? Yeah, is he's he- just he's just hanging out at home, like the same little Moogle area that we kept running through in Narsh. He's just like alone there. Yeah, which huh. which is itself weird because the place is usually crawling with Moogles. Um, really sad. Jeez, it is the the insinuation there is pretty dark, but Mog doesn't seem to let it bother him. Um, he's just happy to be along for the ride. Uh, so, you know, lots of Kupos and lots of dancing and he joins the party. No question. Like you do not have to talk him into it or anything. He's just like, I am so happy you're here. I am in, let's do this. Um, and then he gives you a tip. Maybe we should get some Yeti power too. Um, right. The muscle. He called yep. Yeti muscle. So weird. Yeti so he's, muscle. Got, he's got this like connection with the, uh, the <laughs> And also, well, there's also okay. If you if you put him in your party, apparently, you can go and stand where he was standing, mm-hmm. and you check the wall there. So there's no shiny thing this time, but it's the same kind of thing where like the place where this character was was lingering for whatever reason right. has an important item. This item is very very useful. Where uh, he can he's the only one who equips it, I believe. But mm-hmm. if you wear this charm. It's called in later translations Molulu, um, okay. buying the dead, you know, girlfriend or whatever. Right. Uh, for him, in the original, it's just called Moogle Charm. If you wear that item, you don't fight any random encounters. Oh. It just removes that element of the game entirely. Yep. That's pretty nice. So it's it pretty much breaks the game because then you can just explore places that have way too difficult of enemies. And just run around and open all the treasure boxes. And unless you run into like one of these, you know, actual monsters like the dragons or the ones that like pop out of treasure chests or whatever, you you, you pretty much just like get all the best stuff, um, and then you can stack up your party that way. So there's that. You can also do some um, some fighting in the Colosseum uh, and uh, trade in some good stuff for better stuff. If that's, but I think that's kind of tedious. I mean. So again, the game at this point is just like pretty much you can do whatever you want. Um, yep. I think there there are some limitations, I guess, still at this point. But well, okay. So once you get Mog, um, then I guess the natural thing to do is to go up and find find the Yeti, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Yeti's a weird. He's a weird party member. 
uh, he's hidden, right? He's pretty wealthy, actually. Um, and you have to fight, you most likely will fight the ice dragon, but you have to fight the Tritok. Yes. Finally. Finally. Yes. The first Esper you saw in the game, the first boss fight you ever had, like the Esper that wakens Terra, finally, finally, you get to meet it and claim it, and he'll join your party. And he's uh, not in your party right now. I found this so strange that uh, you fight this this thing that has this connection with her when she isn't with you. Um, I mean, most likely. I guess you could come back once once she's joined you. I don't know. Yeah, what? I don't think it's a prerequisite. Like, I think you can get Terra without Tritok, but um, even so, just... It's not necessary. Like the connection between those two is apparently not important for the sake of the game. Yeah, or it's just like um, I don't know. It's an it's yet another of these like you know character very um, um, you know sort of majestically posed against a a, a backdrop of of a cliff. Um, and so this one, yeah, uh, is pretty powerful. Um, it will teach you your third level spells. Yep. Fire ice and bolt. Um, it will be painstakingly slow. Oh, slow. Yeah, and so, yeah. I mean, you kind of have this option at this point. Like, do you want to try to grind and get some really powerful spells? Do you want to just skate through and fight nothing uh, until the next boss? <laughs> like, right. it's kind of up to you. Um, and and the 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 uh, the dungeon that that has the yeti in it is a real weird place, also. Um, Got a lot of trapdoors, um, a lot of sort of like circular paths in a way that we haven't really seen. I guess outside of the the Narsh mines, maybe, which are also yeah. kind of circular in that way. Um, and there is another super iconic uh, enemy down here. Did you run into the uh, Tonberry? I did not run into the Tonberry. I missed that one. Um, uh, I think they're a, they're a, a treasure chest. Uh, lurker, okay. I yep. Yeah, uh, I I found myself sort of beelining for for the yeti in my first pass. Although I'm gonna have to come back with Mog to get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I'll run into the Tonberry along the way. I, I need to branch out into some of the other corridors because there's a lot of cool stuff in here. Yeah. And they are ridiculously powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are probably some tricks to beating them, but I think I ended up just like making myself invisible so that they wouldn't hurt me as bad and then just like uh kind of chugging away um, yeah the usual rule with the tonberry is that they they're one like really characteristic spell um does damage based on the number of kills each character has oh. um so if you have like a designated healer in your party someone who doesn't fight a whole lot oftentimes Tom Berry won't be able to do much to it. Um, like it still has its usual knife ability, like you can attack normally, but um, typically it'll do the most damage to the party members who have done the most damage uh, as a rule. So like, for example, uh, we just got Mog. I didn't use Mog at all in the world of balance. He hasn't even learned any spells yet. That makes him a perfect Tonberry foil, because <laughs> yeah. um, he won't take as much damage, at least not yet. Yeah, so you've got to have him, and most likely, if you have him in your party, you'll want to use the the charm and dodge a bunch of foes. 
but so okay so then you come to this room um which is creepy it's got a skull uh mm-hmm. like human skull looking you know thing on a pedestal um yeah it's unclear whether this belonged at one time to one of the you know denizens of narsh who wandered too far into the snowfield or what um but then when you check it you find yeah another pretty powerful new esper um i think this one is called terato in the original but i think it's called midgarder somer in oh, okay translation so maybe that's more accurate or just they thought they'd go with the final fantasy 7 connection on that one um, yeah. so like yeah the the sort of the, the cosmic serpent or whatever um speaking middle earth right so so then then the yeti like comes at you uh i think he's you know weak to fire so probably yep. not too tough um he actually. really isn't like he's he, we there's a moment where he eats a green cherry, which is like the the imp cure, yeah. and he gets super powered and like he tells you, you know, his strength is up and his magic is up and his magic defense is up, and he's like, I'm gonna get you, and he jumps like he does the dragoon jump. Oh, cool! And you're like, oh no, what's gonna happen? Like, my my preparation strategy was to give Gal uh, float because you know, big jump, probably an earthquake move if he's got float then he'll be immune but no he just like jumped on one character and did 400 damage and it was really not very yeah, impressive he's at all. rather underwhelming um yeah i don't think that once he's in your party you can even control him like, yeah his whole shtick is is basically to be berserk all the time um <laughs> so he's got a fairly he's got a decent power like Mog is not kidding when he calls it Yeti muscle, but that's literally all he's good for. Like, you just point him at your enemies and let him, you know, try and claw them into bits. Um, not so much with casting spells or strategy or even being able to use him as a healer in combat. Um, so he is kind of like Gal, uh, sort of a very specific situational weapon. Yeah. Um, and to be used with care. And so, I mean, again, you could, you know, not do this next, but um, I think it makes sense to do this part next. Uh, you get a character who's sort of underwhelming in some ways, um, but you also do get a bunch of really great stuff along the way. Uh, you're rounding out your party, which, you know, again, the whole sort of theme of this portion, this late game portion is like searching for friends, right? So. Mm-hmm got to do it um uh, and so from here so we've got gal we've got shadow got cyan mog and umaro in really pretty quick succession um it seems like the main challenge of the game really is like figuring out some of the um obscure characters now um i don't think that you know most battles are going to be that challenging from here on out uh, yeah, there are there are a couple of secreted enemies, and some of the dragons are are tricksy. Yeah. Um, and there's that whole like dinosaur area, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Um, but other than that, yeah, your average run of the mill stuff that you encounter is not all that threatening, um, and it's just a matter of finding where where your friends are and convincing them to join up again. And 
there's really there's really tons of sort of likely places to look right like we haven't been back to visit everywhere yet um yes. so we'll, we'll just kind of keep exploring i suppose uh what would you what would you want to try to prioritize for the next hour or so of, of um in game time yes um well i'm going to be digging back into narsh to get umaro for sure i want to say that you can get gogo down there at some point in two so i'll probably do that um like wander around not sure if that's something i can do now or something you have to wait for um it might be worthwhile to check on terra back in moby lees um oh yeah then sort of the we have to find Locke at some point. He's still bumming around somewhere. Um, although where, we're not sure, I guess. Um, so maybe some exploration there. Um, but the other obvious place to go is the, the Battle Mage town where Strago and Realm are hanging out. Right, right. Because um, those are you know obvious party members that we should get as soon as possible so Strago can get his blue magic on. So, yep, that's what I would suggest. Let's let's track down Strigo and Realm and see if we can't find Locke by hopping through some of the some of the towns that we haven't explored yet. Cool. Okay, so Terra, Locke, Strigo, Realm are our next our next goal uh, as far as searching for friends. Sounds like a plan. All right, and yeah, go go if 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 we can get them. Spirit moves you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Um, well, okay. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this particular reread of the um, Lord of the Rings and all that good stuff. Uh, yep. Yeah, well, we'll talk hopefully again soon, barring any more uh, chaotic stuff going on. Yeah, which it does seem to be coming fast and fast and strong at this point. Yeah. So, all right. Take it easy. Yep, you too.